2: hi i'm zibby owens and you're listening to the award-winning podcast moms don't have time to read books please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events Today's episode has been sponsored by Koyuchi, C-O-Y-U-C-H-I. Coyuchi has been crafting the finest coastal-inspired organic bedding sheets, towels, robes, and apparel, and more for a clean, environmentally conscious home since 1991. They're trying to change the way people think about buying home textiles by providing transparency, product innovation, and practices that limit harm to the environment and the people that live in it. Their transparency is being open about the supply chain, their fibers, their chemistry, and their safeties. They're really product innovators, and they're committed to organic, regenerative, and circular Initiatives with the planet and the people in mind. They see themselves as disruptors in the way textiles are made and are activists for a cleaner and safer planet. And PS, their pajamas are amazing. And they were so kind to give us five pairs of pajamas as giveaways, which we're doing on Instagram and everything else. So, anyway, Kaiuchi, you are the best. I love your jammies and I'm sure everybody else will too. Thanks so much for being a sponsor. I'm so honored to be interviewing the best selling author of The Invisible String, Patrice. Karst. Her books have sold over half a million copies and have touched the lives of so many people. She's also written The Invisible Leash, a story celebrating love after the loss of a pet, The Invisible String Workbook with Dana Weiss, Creative Activities to Comfort, Calm, and Connect, and The Invisible Web in spring of 2020. Her previous books include God Made Easy, The Smile That Went Around the World, and The Single Mother's Survival Guide. She currently lives in Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Patrice. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so
3: much for having me, Zibi.
2: So I'm so excited to talk to you because I read The Invisible String to my kids all the time. I have four kids, and two of them are five and six, and this is just one of our favorites, so I'm really excited
3: get to talk to you. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy to hear that.
2: So I was interested, The Invisible String, and I know you have new books which have been released, but I just want to talk about your iconic work first, which has sold more than half a million copies and is used worldwide for so many reasons by so many institutions. Tell me a little about how originally you wrote that book and then how it became such a nationwide, worldwide tool for healing and all sorts of other things.
3: (laughs) It's uh a My favorite story to tell it's, you know, no one could have been more surprised than than I have been as to the trajectory and just the phenomena that that happened with the invisible string. I wrote it 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, originally because I was a single working mom and my son was 4 or 5 at the time and he would be really sad when i would take him to preschool like he had major separation anxiety and he would cry when i as i was leaving and then i would cry and we were both a hot mess so you know nothing seemed to work you know Not, you know me just saying i'll be back you know and have fun and you know none of that worked but one day i just told him what was really just obvious to me but I told him how we would be connected all day long by this invisible string and if he missed me all he needed to do was tug on it and I would feel it and if I missed him I would tug on my end of the string and he would feel it but that we were connected all day until we saw each other again at night and his eyes just got you know as big as saucers he literally that was it it was like voila separation anxiety handled he said do we really have an invisible string mama and yet yes we do and that was that was it from then on every morning when I would bring him he'd say mom I'll be tugging on the string or when I picked him up he'd say mommy did you did you feel me tugging on the string and then all his friends asked to hear the story and I told them on and then that was when I, I and I saw their reaction and I realized that I had something very special here because what is such a You know, love is such an abstract idea, but I had somehow, in the telling of this story, created a very tangible explanation of what love really is. It's an invisible string. And I knew that there was something very. Very magical that deserved to be um, told to a wider audience more than just my son and his friends at his preschool so I wrote it as a story and went to a very small publisher here in Los Angeles who had never done a children's book before he, he did mostly spiritual metaphysical new age you know books and but he was tiny tiny publisher and I approached him and he loved the concept he loved the story and said yeah, I'll publish it so He published it. Originally, it came out in 2000, and I thought my work was done. You know, I I was glad the book was out there. He had very, very little distribution. It was not in the Barnes and Noble or Borders of the world. It was, you know, Amazon and some new age churches around the country, and you know, it, it sold very, you know, mediocre. It was, it was, you know, it plugged along. It was doing okay. I got beautiful letters from moms and dads and teachers, not lots of letters, but the ones I did get were profoundly grateful for the book. And I was on to other things. I was working on other projects and really didn't put any energy into it. And then how the, the, the phenomena began was that right around right around the time of Sandy Hook, the Sandy Hook massacre, and the reason I remember that is I got a – I don't remember whether it was an email or if it was an Amazon review, but a Sandy Hook parent, not a parent of one of the children that died, but uh, one of the surviving children in the classroom, wrote to me or wrote the review and said that the book had been instrumental in helping his daughter – handle her grief and realize that she was always connected to all of her friends that had perished. And, you know, and made her not feel so scared because, you know, now she knew she was always connected to mom and dad. And I remember that being the timing of when I started to notice I, I have Google alerts, you know, on my computer Every author does, whether they admit it or not. Um, So, you know, lets us know when someone out there in the Internet has said something nice about us or about our book. And all of a sudden it was ping, 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 pinging around. And it was as if like the hundredth monkey effect or something like suddenly my book. And I don't know how (laughs) I don't know. It was like a word of mouth phenomena, but it was suddenly being used by the military for deployed parents. It was being used by the prison system for incarcerated loved ones. It was being used by adoption and foster organizations. It was being used by psych- school psychologists, therapists, marriage counselors, divorce attorneys, hospices, hospitals. Just It just I, it suddenly was the go-to book for bereavement organizations for any kind of loss, for separation anxiety, for any time a child needed to know that they were still connected and And then the phenomena happened that adults started buying it for each other. So spouses would buy it for each other, adult children for their adult parents and vice versa. It became like a, you know, not only a baby shower gift, but wedding anniversaries and graduations for college. You know, parents were giving it to their kids that were going or going on high school graduation. The kids were going off to college or it just took off. I don't know. It just went into the stratosphere. It's
2: like a viral, a book going viral, like an article would, you know, it's
3: amazing. Really. And, and truly because, you know, so many authors spend, you know, lots of money on getting publicists and spending money on advertising and, this was one of those rare publishing miracles where no money was spent. It was word of mouth.
2: That must have felt great.
3: <laughs> it was amazing. It it still I still pinch myself. You know, I I don't know what happened, but I just like to think that when, you know, the message is is ready, the the readers will come, right? It it's like when it was just meant to be. That's that's the only thing I can say. It was meant to be. And
2: before you wrote it down as a story, had you done any sort of writing or had you ever wanted to write books? Like what type of, you were a single working mom, what type of work were you doing at the time?
3: Ah, yes, I had written. I'd always written for for love. I, you know, i had been writing journals since I was 12 years old and, you know, poetry and, you know, on cocktail napkins and, you know, you name it. And I actually had when my son was, you know, very, very young, I had written a book called God Made Easy. I woke up from a dream and saw the title literally just saw the title and this little voice said, this should be a book, you know, go get a notebook and start writing. And I, I wrote it and it was a little magical spiritual book and it got published. And then I wrote another book called the single mother's survival guide and it got published. So yeah, I had written some adult books, but never in a million years, I writing a children's book was the furthest thing from, you know, my radar, and yet that's really what I'm known for now is is my kids' books.
2: It's funny because I had one of my kids had really bad separation anxiety, and I think as a parent, there's almost nothing you won't try to make your kids feel better. I remember I tried like stuffing a lunchbox full of little notes that she could take out and read when she was at school. I invented this like invisible cloak of bravery she would wear, and you just oh. try, you just and and you never know what's gonna stick and what isn't gonna stick and. And you seem to have found the thing that sticks for everybody, which is such a gift, really, to the world. You know, it's amazing.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm blown away and very, very grateful. And it's funny you bring up The Invisible Cloak, because that's actually, I've been making a little list of other invisible books besides the ones that I've already written that I want to write. And The Invisible Cloak is one of them.
2: No way. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, she we had a whole thing, because in her school for a little while, there was a, a Mirror? Not a mirror. A window. This is what happens when I don't sleep, by the way. I can't remember words. Anyway, a window, and she would walk up the steps inside the school, and I would be outside the school, and we could wave, and she would do this little motion of tying it around, and I would do the tying motion back, and then she would go up, and I would walk away. Thank you. Anyway, so put that in the book somewhere, that little <laughs> no, no, I will I'll give you credit. Uh, no, okay, great. <laughs>
3: and her daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Wow, well that's really nice. So how did it feel to you as this was taking off and you were going about your day to day life with your son and everything and you watched the success and the book take off? Did you get did you start doing a ton of appearances? Like were you along for the ride? It sounds like you just sat back and watched.
3: I really did just kind of sit back and watch and um, just, you know, I started to get so many emails all the time from caregivers and children and grandparents. I mean, you know, it it became, you know, it's very humbling. It's, It's a very humbling experience. And because it's the number one book for death and dying for children, you know, a lot of the letters that I would get were profoundly painful letters, ultimately beautiful because the book had helped the family, but lots of parents writing to me that had lost children and the book had helped the siblings. And, you know, I mean, I can't even, there was one story, I'll never forget this one where they wrote to me and told me that, oh, I don't want to start crying, but their 17 year old had passed away and they put the invisible string in the casket Aww. with them. With yeah, I know. I know. I, I shouldn't have even brought it up, but my point is, you know, a lot of the letters I get are very lighthearted. They're, you know, I don't want to say that they're all very heavy because a lot of them are very lighthearted, you know, very sweet. Like one, one mom wrote that when her son, when he drove off to go to college, she, you know, she was crying and she came back in and went to turn on her computer and as she lifted up the, you know, the lid, he had left a piece of string, you know, a little tiny piece of string uh, with a little note saying, don't forget mom. And, you know, so, I mean, I get beautiful, beautiful letters and, you know, ironically, I, I struggle with feelings of loneliness. Um, you know, I had a rough childhood and, you know, they say that you write or you teach that which you most need yourself. And it's really true. Cause I, you know, I get sad a lot and, and that's when I just remember, I remember my own book, you know, and that, yeah, you know, you know, there really is an invisible string. It's real. And it's been, it's been a, a wondrous experience. It truly has.
2: Can you say any more about your childhood? Now I'm interested oh. in knowing what happened, but you don't have to oh, if you don't no, want to share it. No,
3: no, no. It. it's fine. I, I, you know, I was born in England, and I had my parents were both mentally ill, and I had a mentally ill brother, so I was sort of like the normal, you know, one in a very, very odd family, and there was a lot of emotional abuse. You know, God bless them. They're, they're my parents are both deceased now, but they did the best they could. But they were both Holocaust. You know, not survivors, first generation, but their parents had been, and my father had found him.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast.
1: Hey grown-ups, the Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcasts. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his Fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts
3: his father, you know, had committed suicide and my father found him and just a lot of dark. My father saw his school being bombed in, you know, World War II. So, you know, lots of heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And they did the best they could. But, you know, there was a lot of painful stuff. And so I grew up feeling very lonely when I would go to my friends' houses and see normal families, you know, and they'd say, hi, Patty, how are you? you know and and very happy jolly there wasn't a lot of joy in my in my upbringing so it's just sort of ironic that i would become this best selling children's author <laughs> with a book about love because it w- certainly wasn't modeled to me you know love was something that that i learned all by myself and so i'm pretty proud of myself for that that i was somehow able to take you know th- that pain and still manage to Bring so much joy to the world, as you said, and, you know, I don't take that that lightly at all. It's, it's a miracle. Wow.
2: How did you bring yourself out of the depths of that, you know, the, of the worst moments for you? How did you get through it? Like, how did yeah. you go from... Did you leave home and go
3: to college and then you yes. found other families? Like when When was there a turning I left home at 16, out of there, you know, went and got an apartment with a friend and, and never really looked back. I think I moved back when I was 21 for a few months when I was totally out of money at one point. But my spiritual path, I've been on a spiritual path ever since being a little girl in England. I think because of the fact that I was not raised in a family where all my needs were being met, I had to source out another parent. So my parent was God. My parent was spirit, was the source of all things. And I, you know, used to look up at the stars at night and talk to the stars and talk to, talk to God. And so God really became my, my surrogate parent and my love of God. My love, when I say God, I don't mean a, you know, a Christian or any particular religions, God, I, I, you know, and when I wrote God made easy, I say, God is, you know, fill in the blank with any name you want, the source, the force, almighty, infinite intelligence, you know, something bigger than me, big dad, (laughs) divine mother, heavenly father, whatever name you want to call him, her, it. So I would say my spiritual path, and I had a really big sense of humor and i think that humor like i was you know class clown in high school and i did stand up comedy for a while in san francisco when i lived there you know just open mics and stuff like that but i've always been a funny girl and so i would say yeah humor and faith in in a higher power is what helped me and compassion compassion for for my parents cuz they really did the best they could with what they had wow
2: so such a role model attitude towards that really is. I mean, it's inspiring the way you, you oh, were thanks. able to find a way to deal with all of that, honestly. And now you have The Invisible Leash, a story celebrating love after the loss of a pet with an invisible string workbook, creative activities to comfort, calm, and connect. And then The Invisible Web is coming out. Yes. So you have just so much in the hopper here. Tell me, and I know you have a dog, because I know our scheduling this interview is about when the dogs had dog hair or something,
3: which I thought was awesome. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot of people have used the invisible string for a death of of a pet. But I, I got a lot of letters from parents asking if I could please write a book specifically for the loss of an animal. And so I did. And luckily, Little Brown, my fabulous publisher, loved it and bought it. And... Interestingly, sadly and ironically, when I was finishing the book, my my doggie, my fourteen year old wiener dog Coco, died. Oh. I had to put her put her down. She was you know, old and very sick. And let me tell you, I read my own book over and over and over to bring me comfort. And Little Brown was so fabulous, they let me put a picture of Coco in the book and a dedication to her. So she lives on. And now I have a new wiener dog named Luna. And Luna is 10 months old now and the new love of my life. But I can honestly say without a doubt, the invisible leash heals because that book helped me grieve the loss of Coco big time to just realize that we have an invisible leash to our beloved animals in the beyond, and the same concept as the string. They can feel us; they're with us. We can hug and tug along the string, along the leash, and they feel it. And yeah, so I'm really excited about that book. And then the Invisible String Workbook, that was an um, amazing story because I got a fan letter, an email from a therapist an art therapist at the time, Dana Weiss. And she had told me that she had, she did a lot of work with unwed young teen mothers that came from, you know, very, you know, very, very hard backgrounds, you know, lots of drugs and some of them been incarcerated and they hadn't bonded with their own children. And she was using the invisible string to help them bond with their kids. And she wrote me a letter one day and said that one of the teen moms had had a gift for me. She had drawn this beautiful card for me, thanking me for the invisible string. And Dana wanted to mail it to me. And I said, well, why don't we have lunch? You're local. She was from Los Angeles, too. So we had lunch. And during that lunch, she started telling me about all these different activities that her and a lot of other therapists and psychologists and people we're using to take the message of the invisible string to even, you know, bigger depths. And I said, well, why don't we do a workbook together? So we signed our deal on a paper napkin <laughs> right there in the restaurant. We decided we would split it 50-50. And she went to work creating this, you know, amazing workbook that's just full of all kinds of creative amazing activities and games and uh, it's it's fabulous it's it's such a such a beautiful book and by the time we sold it cuz for years I tried to sell the book but nobody wanted it since they didn't have the invisible string cuz the hardback was already published and when little brown when I cuz I had the paperback rights and when they decided to put out the paperback and I told them about the workbook They jumped on it. And by that time, Dana Weiss had become Dr. Dana Weiss with a PhD in art therapy. So we're partners on the book and it's incredible. And then The Invisible Web comes out in April. And that's the book that's about our universal connection. That's when, you know, all the children of the world realize that, you know, we're all connected by invisible strings and we realize we're really living in a web, an invisible web of love. I call it the real worldwide web. You know, the the real one. And so that's exciting. That's coming out in April. And and then the, the last one in the series so far, please God, there will be more. Um, <laughs> there's always room for more love and books about love and invisible books. But I have a board book for babies coming out in December called You Are Never Alone. And it's an invisible string lullaby. It's really just like a song about love and and if I can just share real quick the story of that is a great story because well last year I don't remember exactly when it was but to our horror little brown my publisher and I a certain amount of books had gone out in the world and the printer had made an error it was a, one of those nightmares where the last page in the book was not in the book the most important page in the whole book of the invisible string which says you know, no one is ever alone. The last page hadn't gone there. So we were able to track down almost every single book and fixed it. But I was so mortified and so horrified. And my editor, Andrea Spooner, who's an incredible woman, she said, Patrice, I think I have an idea of how we can turn this lemon into lemonade. She said, how about you write a book called You Are Never Alone? And so I did, and that became the board book that's coming out in December.: I thought maybe it was going to be called the Missing Page." <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, you're making me think that when we get when I get to the point of the book where I start writing little thing, maybe I'll tell that story of how that book came to be. You should that would be a great story.: You could add.
2: also do one where people write their own last page.
3: Oh, oh, you know, like I love yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, what a great idea.
2: You just call me when you need ideas and I'll, you know. <laughs> that, be amazing. I will. I'm just kidding. Wow, well, you have a lot in the hopper. This is so exciting. I mean, amazing. Do you have any aspirations off the page in any way? Like, do you want to get out there and be a spokesperson? Or are you happy with, like, your day-to-day life now? Or I'm just curious.
3: Um, I... You know, I would like to. I I love doing public speaking and I love doing school visits and things. My great hope now um and I just got a new agent, William Morris Endeavor. So I'm super super excited and I have the dramatic rights to The Invisible String. So- next piece is i would love a feature film or a children's animated series television show but i think the invisible string is destined to hit the big screen or the little screen but i think that that's the next the next step would be to have it reach an even wider audience in the way that film and television can so i'm excited to see what happens i think 2020 should be a pretty thrilling year. And I've written other kids' books, which hopefully we will sell. And they're not so much invisible books, but, you know, all of my work really has the same theme. It's it's love, it's connection, it's oneness, it's, you know, that we're all in this thing together. And so all of my books, even though they're all quite different, they all have that that theme flowing through.
2: Wow. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors?
3: write the book, because so many people will tell me, I've got a book idea, I've got a book idea, I've got a book idea inside of me. And I'm like, well, why don't you get it outside of you and write it, you know, write it. So I would say, write your story. And then, you know, there's so many cliche, you know, things that authors say to other authors, but in this case, it's not a cliche. It's really true that, you know, I believe that our job as writers is to tell our story and really kind of let go of the results. You know, I see a lot of a lot of writers get, you know, go through a lot of pain because maybe their book you know, isn't selling that well. And, you know, granted, it's easy for me to say I have a best-selling book. But even when my book was, you know, limping along years ago, I still felt really proud that I had told my story and that it was out there for whoever was destined to read it. And I think we need to let go of the results, you know, tell your story. And then you got to sort of surrender it to the book gods because every book has its own destiny and it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, obviously financially it matters and career-wise it's thrilling to have a best-selling book. But whether one person is moved by your book or, or a million people are moved by your book, even just one person being moved by what your story is matters. It matters because that one person could go on to change the lives of, you know, 20 more people who would change the lives of 20 more people just by having read your story. So we never know when we put our artistic or whatever it is, you know, you with your podcast, you know, you won't necessarily know the person that hears your podcast and it inspires them to do X, Y, and Z or to hug their kid in a, you know, bigger way than they would have if they hadn't heard your podcast. You may never know just the power of what it is you're doing, but you're doing it. And I can tell, you know, I can, you, you're, this is a labor of love for you and, and it matters. It matters. So that's what I would say is if you have a story inside of you, you have a message, you have a teaching inside of you, get it outside of you and put it out in the world.
2: Wow. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and for those particularly inspiring, really nice words to hear from me. Um, to And I you. hope, uh, so I hope to meet you in person at some point.
3: I would love to. Uh, I would love say. to, especially when you're out in the Palisades.
2: Yes. Yes. I would love it. Would. We'll be there, I'll be there a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zibby. Take care. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks again to Kaiuchi for sponsoring this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening you could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.
1: Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.